This is the Resilient and Resourced Educator, and I am your host, Danette Adams. Today I speak with Melissa, who has been involved in early childhood education for almost 20 years in a variety of settings. In these chaotic times, she's found some support by leaning on her own calm temperament, as well as the inspiration of friends who are learning to embrace some of the spaces and unknowns in their calendar. So listen into this conversation with Melissa, who is not only an educator, but also a very active community builder. So today we welcome Melissa to the show. So thank you, Melissa, for being here. Great to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation. So I would love for you to reflect on a memorable mentor or educator in your life, somebody that has impacted maybe the way you think about education or just think about learning in general. So who would that be for you? Well, there's probably a lot of them, actually. I was somebody who always loved school uh, pretty much from day one in kindergarten. Uh, I was always excited to go to school and I really enjoyed my friends there, but I also always loved my teachers. Um, I think the ones who really stand out to me, though, are the teachers who tended to have um, a creative or dramatic bent to their teaching style. Um, I think of like my grade nine geography teacher who he was trying to uh, demonstrate how the water cycle works. And so uh, when it comes up to a mountain range, in order to demonstrate that, he pretended he was a rain cloud and he hopped up on the desk and was walking across his desk and then jumped over the other side and all the while being a rain cloud and explaining what he was doing. And that always just stood up to me. I love that dramatic and creative stuff. Um, and later on in high school, I, I became involved in drama myself. I took all the drama classes I could. So I don't know if I always had that interest. And that's why I liked the teachers that also did that. Or if those teachers um, and their creativity sort of helped lead me in that direction of, of being interested in drama. So definitely those uh, creative and dramatic teachers were the ones who really stood out to me. Right. So do you see yourself at all using some of those things, creativity and drama, with the children you're working with now? I think so. Um, I'm, I'm not a flamboyant teacher by any means, I don't think, but I think I try to approach things in creative ways and look at things from a variety of angles and perspectives. Um, and those are some of the skills I definitely learned in drama um, about perspective taking and um, approaching things in a, a variety of ways to come up with a new creative plan. Right. That's great. So now you're working with some of the younger children in the population and during a difficult, challenging year that we've been facing, um, there were concerns about the youngest of the children being able to uh, self-regulate and all the, the hygiene sort of things. So what strengths, first of all, have you taken into the school year with you, knowing that you're facing, you know, some, some challenges that other teachers maybe who are teaching senior students virtually or remotely don't have to face. So what strengths do you have? I would say that the word that is most often used to describe me, at least in my work with children, is that I'm calm. Um, and I think that has really helped, um, helped me in this sort of chaotic year. So um, I think being a calm person myself, that I can sort of bring that calm into to the classroom. Um, and I think that's needed now more than ever. I will say though, I don't always feel calm inside. Um, in fact, I mean, any, any person who's been in a 
room on a snowy day that you can't get outside on with, uh, you know, eight toddlers or whatever, um, you know, it, it doesn't always feel calm. Um, but I try to, I think I've developed some skills that I am able to keep some of that uh, feeling of chaos to myself and, and exude some calmness, which helps uh, bring the chaos level down a bit. So I think, um, yeah, calmness has definitely been a skill set that I relied on in this rather chaotic year. Well, I'm sure your students appreciate it because it, it's true that it it's kind of, kind of contagious, right? You can bring calm into a classroom, for, especially with the little ones. For sure. And I think, you know, with those older children that you were referencing, um, that might be different for younger children is at least with older children, as much as um, this whole pandemic is a very hard thing to comprehend and, and understand, at least you can have um, some of those um, conversations with older children in a way that maybe is easier for them to process some of what they're feeling. Whereas I think, you know, toddlers and young preschoolers, they still have a sense that things are different. They can't play with their friends in the same way. There's a lot of new rules about how they can interact with other people. And, you know, may, they may not be seeing grandparents and other extended family in the same way. And I don't think um, as much as we can have conversations with them, I'm not sure they have the language to help us understand how they might be feeling in all of this. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what are some areas in chaotic times like this where you need more support or you have to put um, uh, supports in place for yourself? So I'd say I'm definitely a planner. I'm somebody who uh, really likes to plan things. I'm the person with the uh, calendar that's color coded and very full and organized. Um, so I think one of the challenges this year is that the pandemic has caused so many unknowns. Um, I think that really first hit home for me when we got the notice that the schools and the daycares were going to be closed for two weeks after March break. And I just thought, wait a minute, this isn't in my calendar. How do I plan for this? Um, and that was my first um, sense that things were going to be different and not predictable over the next number of months. So I think over, you know, March break and and the rest of March, it was really starting to hit home that, okay, this year is going to look different and the way that I plan and organize, I'm not gonna be re able to rely on those things as much as I have in the past. Um, I have a couple of pictures of my calendar, I think from April, where I literally had like three things in my calendar. And I think they were just reminders of things I wanted to do. And that looks so different than anything previous to that. So. Um, that was just a, you know, really, it was a bit disconcerting for somebody who does like to plan and have, you know, that control over things. Um, I know some of my friends experienced the same things, but some of them were able to really um, just uh, embrace that. And going forward, they want to continue to leave space in their calendar because they found just new ways to connect with their family or just relax in, in new ways that they hadn't experienced before. I haven't quite been able to embrace that yet. It's still a struggle for me to have that uncertainty, um, but I am learning some of those skills um, as I watch other people do it so well. That's great, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so we're learning that, like, that things are changing and the pandemic has brought up a lot of um, things in education, some inequities, um, challenges, and I'm wondering what you see as, are there silver linings of what we're learning? through this pandemic? Um, or are some things, you know, maybe going to change and stay that way for good? What are your thoughts about the future of education post pandemic? 
So I think just generally, I, I like to see this movement that we're putting more trust in children's capacity to learn and be resilient and that type of thing. I know when when we were off away from doing daycare that I just kept thinking, like, what is this going to look like? How are the children going to interact and, and deal with all of these new changes, like new health guidelines that everybody's masked and, you know, wearing lab coats and gloves and this type of thing. And, and for the most part, um, children are resilient and they're just like, okay, that's a thing that's happening. Okay. We'll, we'll make that happen. Now I do think there's still times that um, they're carrying that burden in a way that we don't always see as an obvious thing. So we do need to sort of keep our ear to the ground for for um, any stresses that they might be feeling because of that. But overall, I'm encouraged by the resiliency I see from children. Um, and I also see as as uh, in the industry and in childcare over the years, we're putting more trust in children's capacity for uh, building their own knowledge. I, I remember being an ECE student, um, we learned really briefly, it was like one paragraph or one section in a textbook about a place in Italy called Reggio Emilia. And it had this really different way of understanding education and children's capacity for learning. And it piqued my interest, but it was just this small thing, you know, 20 years ago that I kind of read but um, the child care center I ended up working at, they got a new director shortly after I was hired on and she was very influenced in the Reggio Emilia or the emergent uh, approach. Um, and as she guided us through learning more about that approach, it really resonated with me. Like it just really clicked and felt right. Um, and like I said, this was about 20 years ago. So it was pretty early on in my teaching career. I think I was perhaps more open to learning a new way of interacting with children than I might have been if I was a more experienced teacher. Um, you know, I was at that time doing a lot of thematic teaching. So in the fall, we did apples and pumpkins and that type of thing. Whereas this really turned the tables on how I approach uh, interacting with the children. Um, but yeah, I just love the, the trust that approach puts in children and that they're viewed as like co-constructors of, of their knowledge um, and that the role of teaching is more about facilitating learning rather than being like all-knowing people who are trying to fill up the children with facts and information. Um, so yeah, that's just been really a rewarding approach. Um, and every year is so different then because uh, the children are different and their interests are different. Um, and I just learned a ton from their explorations together. You know, when I would do, you know, pumpkins and apples and that type of thing, the learnings didn't stand out to me as much. Whereas now I can be like, oh, I remember that year that the one group studied penguins and we learned all about the North Pole and South Pole or the uh, year that we had a real interest in ocean life and we transformed the classroom slowly over the year into this ocean with jellyfish hanging from the ceiling and like sand and seashells. And by the end, the children had built this pirate ship and a treasure chest. And, and those stand out to me now because they were unique to that group of children. Um, and that all just came from this style from Reggio Emilia, where you really trust children as being capable of creating their own learning. Um, and I think we're seeing that across childcare overall, that move um, towards that emergent approach. Um, I taught for a few years as a part-time instructor at Conestoga College, um, and I could clearly see how the teachings had changed in the 20 years, which is great um, since I had been a student there. So 
what had once been a passing reference to Reggio Emilia in one textbook in one classroom was had now been turned into, you know, full classes dedicated to learning in depth about this a- approach. Um, and I was also seeing some of the instructors not only teaching about this, but transforming their own teaching to reflect that facilitation style um, that, that they're trying to teach about. So I love that we're starting to see that as an industry, that we're trusting children as being capable of developing their own learning interests. Oh, that's amazing. So it's so meaningful for the child because it's unique to them, their co-creator, but it's also refreshing for you as the educator. Exactly. Like you said, each year is unique and each student, groups of students are unique. And that's amazing. Very nice. For sure. So as we have noticed um, throughout this year, um, there are a lot more retirements, uh, teachers leaving early, um, health health concerns, not able to return back to the classroom. So we are going to be seeing an influx of new educators coming in. And I'm wondering what your advice to new educators coming into the field in this post-pandemic era? So a few things come to mind for me. Um, I think uh, you'll always feel that there's more you can do to improve a lesson or to improve the classroom environment. Like there's always more ideas and more things you can do. Um, I don't think there's ever a time where I just felt like, okay, I'm done. I can't even think of anything better to add to this. But I think you just have to do what you can do in that day um, and know that it will be good enough. Um, and also, and this is something I still struggle with 20 years into things. Um, there will be times, um, that you'll feel like you didn't handle a situation well, um, you know, in a certain interaction with a child or that a lesson didn't get, go well or something like that. Um, I know I still often feel disappointed in myself when that happens, but I just try to reflect on those as what, what would I have done differently as opposed to being like, oh, I'm a really horrible teacher today. Just like, okay, what would I have done differently? And just try to keep those in mind as the positive um, learning opportunities as we go forward. Um, And I would say too, I think that even more important than say preparing classrooms for the material, you know, classroom materials um, or games or that type of thing, that you really focus on taking time to care for yourself, um, whether that's eating well or exercising or spending some time outside, whatever kind of works for you. Because I think those things help give you uh, the physical and mental energy to deal with whatever each day throws at you. Um, And I think that that helps with the interactions with the children and those relationships that are formed. Uh, Those are far more important than any particular game or resource that you might bring into the classroom. So just taking time for yourself and just stepping away, realizing that you can't do it all. Whatever you have is good enough and that you need time for yourself so you can bring your full uh, energy and attention to the classroom when you're actually having those important interactions with the children. Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. It's the seeing the challenges as as opportunities for learning and self-care are just so critical for sure now going forward for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even more so perhaps uh, these days, right? Right. And as a great role model for students to say the same, you know, that, that the students take care of themselves as well. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. I've appreciated uh, your time. I know as a community builder in our region, you are extremely busy with your hands in a lot of pies all at once. So I really appreciate you taking this time out to chat with me today.
Well, thank you for this. I think it's a great initiative that you've taken on. So thank you for that too. And all the best to you and your family as we head into the new year. Thank you very much. Okay, be well.